Follow the Four Corners Podcast on social media. Like us on Facebook, Four Corners Podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Podcast Four Corners. And check us out on Instagram, Four Corners Podcast. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review. I want to take this time to apologize to the television audience for what they're about to see. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Four Corners Podcast. I'm Shad with Matt and Brad. Guys, how are you? I'm doing good, Shad. I'm doing good as well. I am so glad to hear that, and I want to say thank you to everybody out there tuning in for this episode. We're going to get our shout-outs taken care of right here at the beginning, so the first one's going to go to Collar and Elbow, the wrestling brand, collarandelbowbrand.com. Use the promo code for Corners Podcast. That's the number four, capital C and Corners, capital P and Podcast, to save 10% off your order. Our other shout-out means that we throw the ball over to Matt. Yeah, that would be to Orlando Cologne. You know, Shad, if I was putting – if I was building a, a new Mount Rushmore of only wrestlers, Orlando Cologne would be number one through four. <laughs> I just chisel his face in uh, different poses, uh, maybe one looking uh, pensive, one looking uh, – one smiling, um, a happy face. One uh, gets the angry. Teddy Roosevelt mustache. <laughs> yeah, you know what? That's a great idea. Yep. He can be Teddy. That's Teddy Orlando. Teddy Orlando. <laughs> my uh this is like an inside thing. My my daughter like is is now naming uh her stuffed animal friends. Mm-hmm. And it's usually like whatever the the type of a creature it is. Yeah. And then something that she, someone that she knows in real life. It's like, like one of there's a boy at her daycare whose name's Patrick. Yeah. So she has like a Winnie the Pooh bear, a giant Winnie the Pooh bear, uh, that she received as a gift from friend of the show Christy Petrillo. There it is. <laughs> and she now names him Teddy, Teddy Patrick. That's <laughs> funny. So we have to, we have to call him by his appropriate name, Teddy Patrick. I think I'm, I had, a, tr- I think I had a big ass rabbit that was as big as me when I was like a little kid. Oh, this I'm, Pooh bear is as big as her. I'm intrigued because she's. She the way she's doing this is it's like she's got this interesting nomenclature of specifying the thing and then specifying the proper name. Anyway, Mount Rushmore sounds like a segue, Matt. It is a segue. (laughs) Yeah, tonight uh, we thought we'd just we'd pull back for a little high level stuff and we are going to be doing some Mount Rushmore's of uh, we got four categories. So what we're looking at. Uh, Mount Rushmore, that's four picks, but each category you can have, we're going to have four picks and an honorable mention. So, just so you guys know, the from the beginning, the, first, the categories are going to be promo, in-ring, tag teams, and faction. So, uh, we're going to start, I guess we'll just start at the top of the list, and um, which of you guys would like to... to Look down your uh, your Mount Rushmore of promos. Eh, I can go first. All right, Brad. So um, 
there's going to be some crossover between a couple of this lists, but that's because I think highly of them. But so, um, so my I, Mount Rushmore for promos would be Nick Bockwinkle, Ric Flair, Jerry Lawler. Um, probably this is the one I struggled on because Eddie Kingston's my honorable mention because I didn't mm. necessarily want to put him like on the list, but he deserved to be around it. And so, like, this is where I always struggle with this because, you know, you have guys like Dusty Rhodes, you know, you could put on there. Um, I think, actually, Randy Savage would probably be my, my fifth. Okay. Randy Savage or Terry Funk. We'll go with Randy Savage, though. Yeah, Brad, you know what that makes you? Does that make you a coward? You're yes. a coward. You put that list, you're a coward. Goddamn coward, Brad. <laughs> Uh, that's an interesting list. You've got a you've got a mixture of of a lot of different styles in there. Um, I think you, I think what you what you'll see with me is you probably have the three best talk. Well, three of the best talkers, non WWE talkers of the '80s with um, <laughs> Lawler, Flair, and Bockwinkle. Then you have mm-hmm. like Savage and his style, and then Kingston for being like the best promo going currently mm-hmm. well i mean i'll go ahead and do mine because uh, we i didn't share my list with anybody before this but i've got some crossover um my i'm gonna have um i'm gonna have randy savage because part of it is because everybody who's a wrestling fan it seems like does a randy savage impression is his promos and his voice was so iconic that everybody does that and then in a close second for that sort of thing comes Ric Flair because everybody woos. And if you throw a woo out of show, you're going to hear a bunch of woos come back. Now, mine are not in any particular order either. Like, mine aren't yeah, either. Yeah. But it, these are – and I'm also not going to sit here and say these are the most – what would quote-unquote technically be, you know, be the best. But I, they're the ones that I feel were – uh, at least to me, best in the field for it. And my third slot, that's where I'm going to put The Rock. Ah. Because... See, I man, I struggle with The Rock because I know he was good, but, like, I got so tired of his shit by the end. Like, I just have trouble. Hey, um, I understand what you're it. saying, but it was always over. There was nowhere he went whenever... if Even if he did every one of his stock phrases, and that's all he did in the promo... The crowd would be along the entire time. Like, yeah, I agree with that. It's my it's a personal bias against his like sure. stick. That uh, well, that's that's why our lists are, are just different on yeah. this. Eddie Kingston gets my fourth slot because Eddie Kingston's promos are so good. Like, mm-hmm. oh my god, I, I go on a ride with Eddie Kingston's promos. He has a way of saying like shit in such a way that it's like completely different than anything you've ever heard before. It it's not it's word choice it's tone in the delivery it's the look and, in the eyes yeah and and my my favorite go to and I know I've said this before but you know he had basically one promo to build up the match with Miro and that one line where he looks dead in the camera and he holds his hand out and you know where he's coming from because it's Eddie Kingston wearing a crucifix right there on camera but he goes. Take my hand and we'll walk through hell together. And if your God's real, we'll find out on the other side. It's like I, I'm not even attempting to mimic his delivery of it, but just that whole piece together like that in that one shot, like says so much. My honorable mention 
goes to Hulk Hogan, brother, because Hogan, yeah, he, he had a lot of, of tropes and that, but Hogan also completely inverted and reinvented his promo style for the NWO run, like flipped the whole thing. And it was it was engaging the whole time. Like I would be because I was not an NWO fan. I would sit there and watch his entire promo and hate his guts the whole time and not change the channel at all because I was just gripped. I think his um, NWO like heel promos are better than like his 80s, early 90s face stuff. I would agree. Yeah, I think they're underrated. Even even if he didn't ever backstroke out of one of his NWO promos. The thing is, though, he um, <laughs> I think why his NWO promos are so good, though, is because he was venting a lot of his frustrations. Yeah. And um, I think that's why they have such like a good edge to him. That's you see, that is why. This my honorable mention slot honorable mention spot was almost split. Because it, I struggled so much about whether it was going to be Hogan or Steve Austin. And I looked at it, and I looked at it, and I looked at it, and I looked at it. And I thought to myself, who's it going to be? Who's it? And I, I ended up giving it to Hogan just because Hogan's complete reversal of promo style and face to heel, it worked so well. And Austin's heel turn did not work as well even though austin's promos were amazing like i'm splitting hairs for who's getting up here his heel his heel run didn't work because the fans didn't want it and they didn't believe in it so it just yeah it was doomed from the start it was amusing but it wasn't gripping yeah matt what was your mount rushmore yes sir uh if you're counting um also the additional like uh fifth person as the honorable mention, mm-hmm. my list is uh, 60% in agreement with yours. <laughs> <laughs> I have Dusty. Um, yeah. I have Flair. Yeah. I actually have The Rock. Okay. And uh, my last one on that, you, you guys have actually picked some great ones that I didn't think about, which I probably probably could have like put on my list. But like him or lo- like him, love him, hate him, um, I do think that CM Punk is one of the best talkers in the last like 20, 25 years. So I, I, I put him. I would mm-hmm. put him. I would put him towards the top. Like I'd probably put Kingston a little above him. But if we're talking about major league ones post like Austin and Rock, like I think he was top of the line until Kingston like really started doing stuff last year. Yeah. Uh, and in that vein, uh, mm-hmm. my honorable mention is a guy who I think he's still – he's only been in the business a few years, but I think he has the potential to be in it obviously for many more years and be absolutely fantastic both in ring and on the stick. He's already great. Mm-hmm. Uh, MJF. Oh, wow. Uh, and that's kind of like a – that's almost like a controversial pick only in the sense that he hasn't been in it as long. And sure. Yeah, there, the guys that – some of the guys that you've mentioned, you guys have mentioned – are like all-time classics so putting yeah. him even as my honorable mention over those people is kind of like kind of like an uh, maybe like an eyebrow razor but i do think that the guy is great and i think he has the potential to be like one of the best like oh. give give him a few years like he i think people are going to be talking about him like they talk about some of the greats you know matt i think you've i, I think you actually have 
the perfect reasoning for MJF being in that slot. It's mm-hmm. the guy. Yeah. I, he had a tweet last week, I think that said, you know, if I were to retire right now at age 25, I still would have had a better run in the business than like 90% of the people who've ever done it. it it's true. That's he, yeah. That's not like a wild accusation. No. And no. I, I think but, it's a tribute to him that they don't put belts on him either. Like, and he still is over and is like relevant as he is on the roster. I, I have to imagine like he probably will get a belt at some point, maybe even 2022. I always kind of thought maybe like the logical progression might be to have him to be the one to dethrone Paige. Uh-huh. I don't, I don't know. I don't know if they're gonna go that route. It seems like I, I would. I don't know if this is gonna happen, but it seems like they're building towards like the dog collar match between MJF and CM Punk at the next pay-per-view mm-hmm. and that might be that that might be the point where um wardlow turns on him because mm-hmm. there seem to be building up you know wardlow turning and, yeah. and being like a, a big deal. I've, I've heard the um the the postulation that wardlow wins the face of the revolution match and then picks up the tnt title and then won't give it to mjf is another mm-hmm potential but they have some issues with wardlow though because um they keep trying to have him actually wrestle and people just want to see him powerbomb people (laughs) yeah it they'll get there i have faith that they'll get there i think someone mentioned this on twitter and i absolutely agree with it is that he wardlow is now getting like the batista push oh that's a good way of putting it and i don't I don't say that in a bad way. Um, he is kind of getting where he's like, he's still a heel, mm-hmm. but people are now getting really invested in him. And they are, it's it. I'd be shocked if they don't turn him because people want to turn. And I think that he could, he could play like a Batista role well, they've been... where he, he's like a big bruiser, but he's someone that people can get behind. And I think he's, he's good enough that, that, you know, he can be carried if people are concerned yeah. about his his work rate. And he's not he's not he's gotten a lot better too. Mm-hmm. But I I mean they've been they've been having small little teases at him and MJF not getting along since um all out. So mm-hmm. it's, yeah. you know it's been building for a while. Yeah, uh, I like their slow burn. Yeah. Which to talk is fine. A, to talk about that uh, ladder match at the pay per view. Yeah. The thing someone also <laughs> said this on Twitter, but you have Keith Lee. And there's other people there, but you have Keith Lee, you have Powerhouse Hobbs, and you have Wardlow. It's like the amount of beef right there yeah. in that ring. <laughs> I, I honestly, I want it to be a good match. I'm sure it'll be like a fantastic match, but you literally could have the match just be those three hosses. Because that, that's a hostat dude. Yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah. That's already hostastic. If you have those dudes literally just lawn darting people. Like the smaller guys all around the ring, it's going to be fun. That, and they're going to destroy stuff at ringside. There's not going to be anything left. They're yeah. just going to wreck it. That powerhouse Hobbs versus Dante Martin match from um, Rampage last week mm-hmm. was really good. I haven't seen it, but I've heard great things. Dante Martin is like scary good how he is, and yeah, I haven't seen a ton of his stuff. And I know his brother's been out injured, but I I always thought his brother was even better. His brother <laughs> did work. You know, I, don't, I don't know as much about his brother, but Dante Martin has that like 
that perfect face like sympathy selling mm-hmm. which uh, his brother was in Chikara. oh he was who was he yeah uh let me look really quickly there was a story because where... he was under a mask so yeah. was dante um someone mark henry said to him and said dante did you used to work under a mask he goes yeah why he goes because you look like a sad puppy when you're out in the ring man <laughs> Uh, Airwolf. Oh, he's Airwolf? Yes. Wait, wait his brother you. or Dante Martin is? No, Darius Martin, his brother, is... Oh, Airwolf was, Airwolf was a really quality guy. Yeah, I know, that's what I'm saying. Like, his brother might even be better than him. I do think since his brother's been injured, like, Dante has stepped up, and you actually can see the improvement. No, Airwolf and... was, like, Airwolf was a guy that was getting some, like, buzz, like, pre-AEW. Yeah. Yeah. But... Let me look it up. I think both of them are like, like ridiculously young. Even Darius, who's like the older one, I think is only like twenty-two, maybe. Mm. Let me look at. Let me see. Let me see this. Uh, twenty-two. He's twenty-two. It's oh. Chad as a former wrestler. Does it make you like? Sick. Sons of bitches. <laughs> These two God. guys are like early twenties and they're so good. Well, uh, God. Dante Martin. Now we're gonna. I'm gonna talk about Dante Martin briefly. Like his match with Malachi Black, like a few weeks back, a couple, like probably like three or four months back at this point, was so good. And the fact that they had Malachi Black at the end, he he won, but he like kind of gave him like a nod, and it was it wasn't like a subtle nod, it was like a definite nod. Mm-hmm. To me, that that did more right there than anything to get Dante Martin over. I mean, he, people are getting really invested in Dante, but that kind of like that show of like respect from a guy who's you know like a grizzled veteran and is kind of doing this satanic like I'm gonna murder people gimmick, like that's impressive. Um, I, I want to go back to the uh, the ladder matches. One other thing, because they have not announced the wild card for it yet. Mm-hmm. And my favorite speculation, on top of what you just said, would have be Miro be the wild card. Oh yeah. So could you imagine the four of those guys laying waste to everything they can get their hands on? They wouldn't be able to get the, get the ship because all the ladders would be destroyed. Chad, I am going to defer to the great Big E. Yeah. A uh, big meaty men slapping me. <laughs> That's what I want. That's when I saw when I when Powerhouse Hobbs won. I was like, I need, I need like. I need Keith Lever's powerhouse Hobbs like hooked right into my veins. Oh God, yeah. And that's I need them be, just to be beat the fuck out of each other. Hang on, I'm gonna make an outdated meme reference real quick to that, Brad. Sheesh. That's to one friend of mine who probably won't even listen to this, but I wanted to do it anyway. So what's um what's our next Mount Rush for? Uh, our did, did next. Do we want to talk about the National Rush, or was that like the talking about it? About what? Like our picks. Oh, I thought. Oh. Yeah. Um. Well, I think or we kind of hit. Should we have done? Should we have done it as we were like talking? <laughs> well, well, I mean, I was I, kind of. The problem is like, okay, like so, Ric Flair. You don't really. I mean, what can you say about Ric Flair? Like Ric for... Flair, I love just had so much intensity and so much style that he got a monosyllabic little exclamation over for decades, right? Mm. So. 
And then, you know, like Nick Bockwinkle, I mean, goes without saying too. Um, different style of promo, but really good at like using like the, you know, whatever they call them, like the the big words to like piss people off. The thing is that one, I think a lot of people wouldn't get that now uh, because they were at a point where people just haven't seen much of his career. No, he's it's such a like, shame. You're talking about like him probably wrapping up his in-ring career was what, like 35 years ago. Uh, so 86, 87 with like a couple of comebacks here and there. Yeah. So people probably don't really get it. Um, but he was I, such a, he was such a freak though. Like that, that like those, those hour long draws with Henning, like that are amazing. He's like 50 years, 50 years old in those. Yeah. He, he's he's fantastic. He's he's one of the all time greats that kind of do, doesn't get as much love as he should have. No, and he I think uh, he's I think like if you take him as a total package, I think you can legitimately argue that he's better than Flair, and he's at least like on par with Flair, like for the total package of like promo with in ring talent and charisma, and then like in the pairing with Bobby Heenan's even good. Like he doesn't even need Bobby Heenan, but they're such like a great tandem together. Mm-hmm. That's uh, I'd say that's a contentious statement saying that he's yeah. better than Flair, but uh, he argue. was great. Yeah, yeah. Um, I look everyone. It's been said to to death. Someone like Dusty, uh, he's on my list. He's on Chad's. Dusty has something that since you you had him on Dust, your list, Dusty was not on mine. Oh, he wasn't. No, Savage oh, Flair, Rock Kingston. And Hogan is the honorable mention. Uh, now, like I, I admit, Dusty's really good, but Dusty didn't just like I can recognize Dusty's really good. Like mm. I can recognize Punk's really good, but Punk's not going to go on my list. Mm. Um, even if he doesn't grab me the same way, like I recognize it's really good. Mm. I mean, it's hard times, Daddy. Well, that's the thing. I think I think Dusty and uh, Eddie have the same type of thing going on where it's their promos. You could get so emotionally invested in them mm. and they drew out like real emotions in you. Mm-hmm. Like there's, it's no wonder that like 30 plus years later, like people still count the hard times promo as one of the best of all time. Cause like, he's talking to like the working man. He's talking to the working class people. Cause he was like the working class champion against you know, frequently in battles with like Frick Flair, who's you know, rich asshole punk. <laughs> like the complete um, antithesis of Dusty yeah, Rhodes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and you could get invested in it, and, and it speak to you. It's like this gut visceral thing, and it's different with Eddie Kingston because he's not like that, but he also kind of is. He kind of is like working class. He's mm-hmm. a different type of working class in the sense that he's not like you know, son of a plumber, um, dude from like the south. He it's, class out there. it's like um he's like it's the same thing except he's like from the streets like but yeah. it's like the same mentality like coming from like the same place and I think people wouldn't necessarily recognize it due to um I think because especially in America we're a little too obsessed with race so I think people automatically because they're of different ethnicities would not see like that it's coming from the same place but I also think because of the difference in eras people don't like understand that like eddie kingston is like a like kind of comes from like the same place just from like the modern world whereas dusty's like talking from like the that like more of the baby boomer generation 
you, are, yeah. you have the the urban rural divide on that as well and well, I mean, it's not it's not bad you're you're talking the same thing just a different setting i don't know i i'd say dusty's hard times and all that stuff though he's i think he's coming from an urban place too though cuz i mean you're talking like son of a plumber that makes me think like you know oh you're from like you're from the big city too people people probably wouldn't um equate it but yeah i think it is like it's 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 all technically working class if urban or country it's still like there are still a lot of similarities and and kind of themes that that working class people of all stripes go through Mm -hmm. i know a guy um he's ethnically like honduran so he's Mm -hmm. uh he's latin or hispanic however you want to define that and he makes the argument, and I'm all, I'm kind of been sold on this. I'm not trying to make this political, but he does make the argument that like basically like the white working class and the Hispanic Latin working class are have way more similar similarities than they don't, and that you're seeing kind of like the two different groups, uh, kind of beginning to understand that they have more similarities than not, and they're kind of like they're becoming more like simpatico with each other. And that mm-hmm. kind of makes me, I, he said that and I was like, I didn't really think, I don't really know about that. But then the more I thought about it, I'm like, well, there might be something to that. And I think it's kind of why it's not the only reason why, but I mean, Eddie Kingston, like it kind of taps in that same thing, like a dusty. It's like, yeah, this dude's from like New York, like he's from the streets. But mm-hmm. when he talks and like the things that he's saying, you're like, well, if you have any sort of like working class background or know people from the working class, your family has working class roots. It's like, well, shit, I can, I can appreciate what this guy is saying. Like I worry about you know, these, you know, people, or you worry about people who you worry about paying your mortgage every month or your rent every month. And yeah. you worry about drugs or maybe, you know, people who've like fallen into drug addiction, stuff like that. Everything. It's like, it really, it taps into a vein and the way he can speak with such conviction about stuff. It's really fantastic. Like the, one of the, one of the best things of the last year has been Eddie Kingston getting a, a shot, at a big national promotion mm-hmm. and it really warms my heart because he's so fantastic. And I'm really, uh, I love that the jazz wearers is actually going to put out uh, this year, I believe an Eddie Kingston action figure. Yeah. It's like that dude deserves that. That dude has, has really gone through the trenches and he has really suffered through a lot of stuff. I mean, some of it's a lot of it's been his own like doing, but for him to get essentially like, his day in the sun and appreciated and loved and reap the rewards of that for his, the business, like a best-selling t-shirt, an action figure. Like it makes me really happy. That's one of like the best things about pro wrestling is that you can get invested in a guy and you know, they quote unquote make good. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry. I, that was me like talking more about the, the no, in-ring no. promo guys. No, that, that's all right. See, it, it Part of the thing that's fascinating to me is that you have promos wrestling promos that are so good but if you were to take for example the hard times promo mm-hmm. and drop it down as an assignment in like a communications 101 public speaking class at a college they'd tear it apart because they'd be like you know you, you you don't have this sort of stuff it's like but you don't you're missing the point who's it supposed to connect to it's supposed to connect to people who feel disenfranchised who feel mm-hmm left out just like you know just like you said all that and so it, that's part of why this is the the promo stuff is so hard to quantify is you know does it resonate um but you know dusty's a he's a really good choice i mean that's 
what he's known for. Um, so, you know, that's, that's great. And like you said, MJF's great. He'll, he will be on the Mount Rushmore by the time his career winds down. He's just that good at it. And he's so willing to commit to, to his heel stuff. Um, you know, lots, lots of good picks here. Yeah. All right. Who would like to kick us off with the Matt? Would you like to start us with your in-ring picks? Yeah, I'll do it. Um, this this is in some ways tough because there are guys that I think are legitimately great. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to choose my personal top four, really top five. And this one's really tough. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm going to go with Ric Flair. I still think Flair is one of the best of all time. Um, if the the thing, the people that try to dog on him are annoying because like if you watch any random thing he pops up on like you'll see <clears> him have just like in a, remember when we did that brief like world class championship wrestling po- like review show with <clears> Chris and he <throat> had that like just outstanding match with Al Madrill on TV for like yes minutes. that's a great example like yeah he 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 could literally a guy who and anywhere else in the in the, the country would be like a jobber, but maybe he's like a guy who was featured in a in a small regional promotion because you know, they needed they just needed bodies. Like he could go in there and have like a fantastic match with them and and stuff we like we don't really see on TV. But he would go out there and it'd be like, oh, you want to have like a forty five minute match with Almadrill? No problem, and it would be like a amazing match. Cornette like, that's, said. Um... Cornette said on his podcast that he used to get yelled at because he loved working George South and they would yell at him because he'd give like George South offense and like work like long with him on TV because he just loved working with the guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, damn it, Rick, you can't do that with George South. I'm going to beat you, boy. I'll do it with whoever I want to. Woo! I don't know if he and, was uh, the when, guy, but... when he did that, Shad, he was also, like, just naked under his robe with his dick hanging out. <laughs> don't forget, he's bleeding at the time also. Yes. <laughs> uh, was Flair the guy that they originally, like, assigned, like, the, the quote-unquote the broomstick uh, metric to? Yes. Like, he's, so, he yeah. could have a good match with the broomstick. He probably could. Um, I've literally seen Kota Ibushi drag a three-star match out of a blow-up doll, so um, that might be the Kota Ibushi metric now. Yeah. Um, Ibushi did not make my list, I th- but he would probably be, like, number six. He, he's, um, he's fantastic. Oh, he's – he's if – um, because that's my metric. Like, if you can't have a good – like, if you can't have a good to great match with Kota Ibushi, you have no business in wrestling. Because I'm pretty sure Kota Ibushi could drag me to something watchable, and I'm not even trained. Yeah. Uh, in, Well, you know what? In keeping with, uh, in keeping with Japanese workers in New Japan – I do think that Kazakata is on my Mount Rushmore. Like he is, he's, he's quite possibly like the best worker of this generation. Yeah. Uh, um, and he's like revamped himself a couple times in there. Um, yeah. Really just like automatic, you know, the Kenny Omega stuff was really good. Um, he's up there for me, but he did not make my list. That's fair. I mean, he's just fantastic. And the best thing is that that dude is he's only 34 years of age and just turned 34. So and he's working in Japan where dudes 
maybe not at a high level per se, but like in Japan, like dudes work until they're like 56 years old. So you have yeah. like, you have probably like another decade or more of that guy putting in like strong performances. Well, their, their style of show, like doing tours, lets guys last longer. And like, you know, they're really smart. Like he's been away from the title for a while. So like he's mm-hmm. fresh to like get another run. Like they really, I mean, new Japan sucked recently, but they, they, the Japanese style is a little smarter about not running guys into the ground mm-hmm. physically yeah. and with the fans. Uh, I'll, okay. I'm going to change it up to, I'm going to, my final one, but I'll put steamboat mm. and uh, steamboats on my list. I love steamboat. Steamboat is kind of, I almost feel like steamboat is underrated because people kind of don't realize how good he is both as a baby face as a singles wrestler, as a tag team wrestler, mm-hmm. like he is phenomenal. It, it it says something that he came back years later doing that that brief program with Jericho, and oh, he, was he was putting so on like good in that. he was he was like unreal good for a guy that his age because I think at that point he was at least in his fifties. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna do my honorable mention before I'm gonna do my final. Okay, uh, my honorable mention is Daniel Bryan. Like I mm. think Daniel Bryan is fantastic he's one of he's one of the best workers on the planet right now he might he might be like top five himself not just on my list but like in on the planet right now Mm -hmm. great worker um just a guy who gets it hit the two matches i just watched recently with with page with adam page Mm -hmm. like phenomenal like i i i didn't initially get into the hour-long match he had the first one but by like the last twenty minutes of that, I was like pretty much on the edge of my seat. That's mm-hmm. that like, second one is just off the charts good. Yeah, they're mm-hmm. they're Adam Page, this is like an aside, Adam Page has really stepped up and doesn't doesn't quite get the credit for how good he's been. Like the two matches with Brian have been uh phenomenal or well, Brian Danielson, I guess I call him Daniel Bryan. Mm-hmm. Uh, Danielson have been like fantastic. The match he had with Lance Archer was way better than had yeah. right to be. That was so good. Yeah. So he's uh, Daniel Bryan. Or Bryan Danielson is he's on my honorable mention list. But the guy who actually hit my fourth spot mm-hmm. and I, we've been talking about this guy uh, offline. It's Kenny Omega. Kenny Omega mm-hmm. to me is easily in the top. My top four. Uh, on not Rushmore. After that one interview, I think he might be the goat because, I mean, he did the last like five years with Vertigo yeah, and like I think what like a dead shoulder. It, uh, two more than that. Yeah, he's got he bad shoulders, bad knees, bad neck, which he might we I I want to see him back in the ring, but he might it might be sometime late in 2022 because he yeah. might get his both his knees worked on and he might get his knee his neck addressed because and he's getting a hernia f- repaired. Oh yeah, and he in that he recently gave an interview um on uh, Observer Radio with. Uh, Dave Meltzer and Garrett Gonzalez. Uh, mm-hmm. Garrett is Garrett is the one who runs the the Observer Facebook group that I, I mentioned frequently. Mm-hmm. But that was a great interview. I haven't heard the whole interview. I've heard only clips of it. But I mean, uh, Mamika was was kind of candid about his health and some of the things that were going on. He actually had said he had hoped to be back by February. But it's like, given the what he shared, all that's wrong with him. I'm like, <laughs> that was optimistic dude, at best. Yeah, dude, take some time. Like you could take some time. I'm sure Tony Khan would be happy to sign you to a new contract when yours expired. Just get, just get healthy. 
Yeah. But that dude, like, he, and he even talked about this spot. I think it was like a, in twenty, he was in twenty seventeen, a drop kick spot, that I believe Okada gave him, and said mm-hmm. that's when I had issues, began having issues with my neck, and yeah. with vertigo. And it has, I think, like, uh, yeah. I think mm-hmm. it's he said it was when Okada landed on him, uh, um, with a, a, a drop kick spot. Yeah. I, I do the math like that happened in 2017 it's now mm-hmm. the beginning early 2022 so you're talking about like four and a half years ago that that happened the dude has been wrestling with vertigo for four and a half years and it's not as if like he's limped through it the entire time like his work in the last four and a half years has been phenomenal but yeah. it's that right there alone working doing like the the quality of the matches that he's been doing as injured as he has as he has been for yeah. four and a half years, and the length of some of those matches too, because he doesn't oh, work yeah. short. It's no, he doesn't. So yeah, it it potentially moves him into to goat category. Yeah, that's um, you make some real compelling points. Uh, Brad, do you want to run your list, or you yeah, want me to do mine? I'll do mine. So okay. um. This is no particular order since we just talked about him. Um, I do believe he's the GOAT, and I started believing that when he had the Rich Swan match last year where he pretty much wrestled a dead Rick, Rich, Rich Swan and, you know, for 10 minutes, and um, it was still good. So Kenny Omega, um, as I mentioned earlier, Nick Bockwinkle and Ric Flair, and then Mitsuhara Mizawa will round out my uh... fourth. Um that can be contentious because some people take Kawada. I just think um, Mizawa is probably the best babyface ace of all time, um, with no no questions asked in my opinion. And then my my um, honorable mention will go to uh, Houston Liger. See, wow. I'll be honest with you, the I've always kind of wondered to myself and. I haven't, you know, I'm sure that's been made abundantly clear over the course of the show. I, I haven't really dug into the Japanese stuff, but I've always kind of wondered if Masawa would, I've kind of suspected Masawa would, might grab me. Um, you I've never be, been sure, but I, I think I've you suspected. might be more of a Kabashi guy, but, um, but Masawa grabs everyone. Like cause he has a lot of charisma. He's very good in ring. Um, he especially because like the footage is so available, you can really follow his rise to the top. Mm-hmm. From like eighty nine to was it ninety one or like was it was it, was it ninety one when he won it for the first time? Uh, I think so. Okay, so you can really follow that, and you know you get grumpy old man Jumbo Saruta, and um, that's a lot of fun for that era. Okay. Well, um. All right, so I know I've said this before, but I feel like I need to to go ahead and say it again. Like I said, I have not seen much Japanese stuff, and I have a particular quirk in that I prefer to see guys in my matches. Like, I know you're going to have your signature spots, your go-tos, but I prefer to see them mixing it up and doing different stuff as opposed to, you know – hitting the same spot like five or six times because that's one of your spots. That's why, that's why I think you would like Japanese wrestling better if you got more into it because there's a lot of variety. 
Well, but the counterpoint to that is you were telling me that, like, you know, Omega doing, like, a V-trigger every other spot was a very Japanese thing, and that kind of turns me off. That's modern Japanese, though, because if you're, if you're talking, like, all Japan um, at its height, you're talking, like, 89 to 97. Okay. So, just to put this out there, I'm not an Omega guy, but he gets my honorable mention spot for all the reasons you guys just mentioned. Like, mm. I cannot deny how damn good the guy is, but I have a very america centric list here so my in-ringer it's going to be guys who did stuff that i just loved watching and just grabbed me so that means that we're going to have savage we're going to have sting we're going to have arn anderson and i'm going to have brian danielson um sting did not have the athleticism that for example danielson does but his matches always, to me, look to be worked very smartly. Uh, if we were to go, I can't remember which show. It was uh, one of the Bash at the Beaches that was, I think it was, where Sting was wrestling a handicap match against, I think it was Arn and Pillman. And the whole thing was structured in such a way that it was Sting looking like he's smart and playing it off, playing the other two guys off against each other. Um and so here I am, you know, you know, him, him doing that sort of stuff. Arn, we've talked about in the past. Savage, we've talked. Danielson, we talked about. Um, I'm, those are just the, the four that I'm putting on the mountain. Um, um, if, if I had another spot, like if I had a sixth spot, it would have been Terry Funk, which didn't make any of our lists, but I think he, um, he deserves, especially for like the reinvention aspect where if you watch him oh. in the seventies and you watch him in like the nineties, he's almost a completely different guy. That, that deserves a lot of credit. Cause that is hard to do. And uh, also he, he would probably be in there somewhere but muda doing that too and like completely reinventing himself to as his knees went out was a good mm-hmm. was he, like he muda when he's good is really good but he can be lazy well, that's fair that's fair um so that will take us down to our our tag team section and uh, i'll lead off on this one if you guys don't mind because I've got I've got some in here that I think might be uh, uh, interesting spoilers. Um, the first two are, are probably going to be gimmies. If you've listened to the show much, um, then me putting the Steiner brothers and the Midnight Express in my first two slots is not going to surprise anybody. Hmm. But for my third spot, I want to I thought back to one of the most fun teams that I can remember watching as a tag team. The Harris this brothers. Is, nope. <laughs> late. God, if you had even let me get this line out, that joke still would have fit late <laughs> WCW, but it's uh Ray Mysterio and Billy Kidman. Oh, cause that's, that is some fun stuff to watch. And then my fourth slot, uh, is basically midnight express 2.0. It's FTR. Uh, uh it's it's i and the reason they're in the four slot is because my honorable mention slot um the difficulty in looking at it is arn anderson had so many tag team partners i had to just pick one and it's hard to be like 
any tag team Arn Anderson is in gets a slot. I felt like that's that's cheating, especially since one of those slots was Paul Roma. So um, <laughs> the the enforcers Arn Anderson and Larry Zabisco go in my honorable mention spot. Interesting. Because and part of that is that is one of the things like I didn't get to watch wrestling consistently until high school. But when I was young, I got to see some now and then. And that's one of the things that hooked me was seeing a match. That was the enforcers versus um, I think it was Firebreaker Chip and whoever the other uh, like Walmart Todd, knocked off. Todd, Todd Champion? No, um, he it it was it was a no one a patriotic gimmick, but it was like it, it fit that it was with Firebreaker Chip. It was like either a very vocational gimmick or a very Merca kind of gimmick. I can't remember. But they're having this match, and just seeing Arn and Zabisco look like they're just working circles around them. They had what is to this day one of my favorite um, tags in that uh, they shoot Zabisco off, and Zabisco goes for the blind tag. Now, usually when you see a blind tag, it's the guy hits the ropes and his partner tags him on the back, right? Zabisco goes into the ropes. He's got his arm up on the rope, extended to the corner, out to Arn for Arn to make the quick tag. But it happens very quickly and be very easy to miss. But it was so smooth. It just stuck in my brain. So I, I know there's there's some dark horses in on that. But um, there you go. That's that's. Oh, Matt just sent me something. Yeah, I guess it was you, Todd Champion. It was Todd Champion, I know. All right. Because hey. that, that is actually the period of WCW mm-hmm. that I actually kind of like started watching. Okay. So that – well, that actually might have been slightly because I think they did like – they were mostly I feel like in 91, but then – I there think was they did some, some stuff in Memphis after that. Yeah. The, no, USWA, sorry, is what it would be called yeah. at the time. He did a he did a, a, a team with uh with Todd Champion and they Todd Champion that was weird. It's like I don't know that dude had a military background at all, but he did like a weird like desert storm that had to be it then type of like uh gimmick. Uh and he he did have some they did have some matches with like the against the Dangerous Alliance and uh then that it looks like Wikipedia is telling me that they they had a feud with uh, the Southern Boys, aka Young Pistols, mm-hmm. which is they're not on my list at all. But right there, that's not, that's kind of like an honorable mention. Like it's a forgotten tag team. It was a good tag team in early night mm-hmm. in early WCW. Although I, I was telling you guys, I like the Hardliners, <laughs> which is a brief, <laughs> brief tag team between Dick Murdoch and I think what well, Dick Slater. Probably. Yeah, that was like a fun because they you know what they were they I don't think they were that old. But it's like two old grizzled veterans just they delighted in like beating the shit out of people. And it's yeah. like that's as a, as an adult now, like I, I would actually appreciate that type of gimmick. Sure. I think I think 40 for Dick Murdoch, though, was like 70 for the average person. Mm. <laughs> OK, that fucking well, drunk racist lived a hard life. But in any event, that's. I know the the last two that I had on there were were kind of dark horses, but Mysterio Kidman was so much fun to watch. Mm. And every time I see FDR have a tag match, I am just consistently impressed. I, I, 
enjoy the hell out of those guys. Can I get an aside about FDR? Um, for, for those who have not heard it, I guess there was a, a podcast that just dropped uh, mm-hmm. from Brene um, Paquette, a.k.a. John Moxley's wife. And she did it with Dax Hartwood. She has a podcast called The Sessions. It was called Oral Sessions, but I think they like and they're probably getting they're yeah. like probably getting too many jokes inappropriate jokes about yeah. the, the title so now it's just the sessions um she just did one with uh dax hardwood was actually like a really fascinating one he, he's very candid about uh some of the struggles he's gone through um mm-hmm. like with depression things like that anxiety uh but he told a story which is getting a lot of play like on wrestling twitter today mm-hmm. uh that he disclosing that he once like back back when he was working for the wwe and he was in nxt and everything had like a heart-to-heart with sean michaels and then uh when they got brought up to like the main roster they did a they did a storyline or they did a match like a segment with dx and dx like beat the shit out of them and dax harvard said that like basically like behind the scenes like afterwards like behind the back like DX was basically making fun of him, and mm-hmm. for and specifically John Michaels re- referencing some of like his stuff he had been candid about, like his mental health and stuff like that, and mm-hmm. never apologized for it. Just so that's like you know, man of God John Michaels being just a total shitbag. Yeah, mean, he's Dax always Hart. been a shitbag. I don't. Yeah, but people kind of have bought into like the fact that he's reformed, he's different, and it yeah. doesn't seem like he really yeah. is. I never but... did. Is someone? Is someone? As someone that's been religious for most of my life, um, you can smell a phony 50 miles away if you've been around enough religious people. He might be legitimate about his faith, but it did certainly seem that once he was back, like, you know, with his boys, he reverted to the old. Yeah, that's that's exactly what I was thinking, is that he fell into those old habits, which he should not have. That's a dick move to do. But the, the thing I loved about that story is that uh, he Dax Hardwood said that the one person who wasn't really like that was Sean Waltman. Sean, yeah. He said that Sean Waltman afterwards came up to him and was thanking him and was like, hey, that was great. Like, good job. Like, thanks. Thanks for working with us. And they, a lot of people uh, since the story came out, a lot of people have been replying to that and been like, oh, yeah, Sean, Sean Waltman's great. Like Sean Waltman. Uh, I've met Sean Waltman or I've worked with him and he's just been nothing but nice in class, which uh, is good to hear. I think Sean Waltman went through like a period where he was he was in a really dark place and a lot of substance abuse issues. But mm-hmm. he seems like he has not only like gotten sober and cleaned up his act, but a lot of people are saying very positive things about him for he, quite some time. He seems like a guy that just is thankful for every day of life he gets at this point. That's true. I can't remember who it was, but there there was a story – Somebody um, that was rooming with him came home from a long weekend, and Sean, like this obviously before he cleaned it, but Sean had gotten jacked up on meth on Friday and basically stood in the same spot until like Monday morning, and like his, you know, his feet had ruptured out his shoes and stuff. The guy's just like, "Oh God, you know, we got to get you to the doctor now." He's like, "Yeah, he he probably, you know." saved my life doing that um and you know all the stories about all the all the times he got jacked up i'm glad he's clean now because he's a guy that seems to not only really love the business but be a good dude about it 
And so, um, you know, it's 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 good to hear. Sometimes he's doing well and he's he treat, treating people well and stuff. Sometimes those guys that get like that second shot at life really, um, really like embrace it and you know really appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So yeah, yeah. That the I know that clip's floating around out there. Um, someone's got it isolated. It's about if you find the Twitter clip, I think it's about two minutes long. Did mm-hmm. Did Matt do his yet? I got lost in the conversation. I'm sorry. <laughs> I not. I not. Okay. Actually, we're just talking about. Yeah, we. Chats. I was like, did Matt do his or not? Because we were talking. <laughs> no, about we just didn't get yeah. there yet. Yeah. yeah, I was. I was. I was like confused for a second. I'm sorry. It's been a long day, uh, folks. Yeah, looking at mine, um, I have a couple actually that might. I don't know if you would consider them tag teams or factions, so I may have to like change it up really quickly. There's more than um, three. It's a it's a faction. There's only three. Are, are the three bird are the free birds, for example? They can. They, they have they special team? rules to defend the titles amongst themselves, so they are a team, not a faction. That's good to know because they are on my list. They are one of my. <laughs> <laughs> they are the the fabulous free birds. But I let me let me let me clarify. I'm defining. Uh, is it Buddy right? Buddy Roberts. Buddy Roberts, yeah. Buddy Roberts. Um. Uh, the Michael Hayes, Michael P.S. Hayes, and uh, Terry Gordy. Those, that's why I'm considering the Freebirds. No like Bad know. Street or Jimmy Garvin? Yeah, no Bad Street or Jimmy Garvin. I'm like, sorry, I'm Jimmy Jam Garvin. Jimmy Jam Garvin. I'm not, I'm not including them. Although I do think that the, the Jimmy Jam... I, I actually thought uh, Jimmy Garvin was a pretty good worker. So not, by the the tag, time, not by the time he's in the Freebirds, unfortunately. Well, fair. Was Bad Street um, um, Brad Armstrong? Yes. Okay. So I thought under a mask, under a mask, because people knew who Brad Armstrong was, so they put him in a mask. Uh, I still think that Bad Street USA is the one, is one of the best wrestlers. Bad Street, Bad Street, GA. Bad Street, Atlanta, GA. Um, they're on my list. Uh, also on my list, uh, someone Chad has mentioned the Steiners. Steiners probably like the best tag team, in my opinion, of all time. They're just phenomenal. Um, that's so, my pick too. Yeah, it's no small wonder that uh, Rick's son, uh, Braun, is <laughs> as good as he is. Yeah, and it's really bummer. They're kind of ruining him in NXT with them. Maybe, looking. but I mean, I still think that dude, You're unless they completely mess him up, I still think that dude no, I, could I legit did. Like be, be like main eventing Mania in like a year or two. It's nothing I think that's going to do long-term damage, though, but they're starting to do some like dumb stuff with him. And I'm like, can you guys just stop? Like, please. Yeah. Uh, like just have him those... murder people. That's all anyone wants to see him do. Yeah. Um, those two teams are on my list. Um, I also have Road Warriors because why not? Road Warriors yeah. are, and they're not even a guy, like, a team that I think I have like a ton of like great matches in terms of actual in-ring quality. No, mm-hmm. but they're but... they're like a force of nature though. They were like a force of nature. That's the best way to put it. They were just like monsters. They would go in there and obliterate people. And they have the best um, entrance music of all time, too. Not the shitty WWF one, but when they were coming out to Iron Man. And you just mm-hmm. knew it's like, oh, man, like it's about to get like real yeah. out here. Someone's like an old to, to use an old like Mark Henry jokes like someone's about to get their wig split. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, to the point where, like, in early '90s uh, WWF slash WWE, like when they would go out there and they'd have like a 12-minute match with somebody, like the Beverly Brothers, and they're having a sell. 
I, I, my gut reaction would be like, what is this? Like, they're not going to. The Road Warriors shouldn't sell, least alone for like the Beverly Brothers. Maybe if you're going to have them go out there and have to sell for like Dusty Rhodes and Nikita, who are like, you know, pretty much like the top baby faces. Yeah. Uh, they're my third team. And my fourth team is uh, like Fantastic Team Rock and Roll Express. Yeah. Um, love the rock and roll. They're still. They're still at least decent. They're not. I mean, their age is caught up with them, but they're still mm-hmm. like shockingly decent at their age. Well, I mean, Ricky Morton is. Robert Gibson just kind of stands there and takes up space. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's kind of <laughs> true. Um, and my honorable mention, um, Shad. I thought about going with Midnight Express, mm-hmm. and they would have been my replacement for the Freebirds if I wasn't allowed to use the Freebirds as <laughs> a tag team. Okay. Um, but I, I decided to choose another team, which I think they're also – you can consider them a faction. I'm thinking more like a tag team because we're there are only three members. But the New Day. The New Day is one of – in my opinion, like they're all great workers, and they are fantastic as a unit that if they, if all three guys, like tomorrow, they're like, yeah, we're, we're, we're done. We're retiring today. Like they would have a phenomenal both WWE That's... career and w, like total career. That's absolutely true. They, I mean, they're, yeah, you're absolutely right. It's not their fault that they, they kept doing the same shtick for years. It, it worked. Um, but they could just, they had a great, their dynamic would change depending on who was there, just like the Freebirds, and it was always good. Yeah. So Brad, who did uh, who did you have on your tag list? So my list is a lot similar to Matt's. So I have the Midnight Express, I have the Rock and Roll Express, I have the Road Warriors, I have the Steiners, and for my honorable mention, I have the Young Bucks. Uh okay. I was getting ready to say it's like late A's into the A, late A's in the A. Oh, Young Bucks. Okay. Because if you if you want to talk about the team of a decade. And that would be the 2010s. That's the Young Bucks. Like no one had the the amount of good matches, like the memorable feuds, the memorable moments, um, mm-hmm. like they did. Yeah, that's that's fair. That's and fair. I know there's and... like a 20 year gap in there, but I'm sorry. Like, would you go against giant like tag teams? It's hard. Yeah, I, I was pondering about the uh, the aughts era for really good tag teams. And LAX, um, um, America's Most Wanted, uh, Edge and Christian. The I was also going to throw in um, Shelton Benjamin and Charlie Haas. Yeah, um, probably if I went with my j- team of the of the the the, the aughts, it would probably be Generation Next, which was Alex Shelley, um, Roderick Strong, and Austin Aries would probably mm. be. That'd probably be my tag team of that era. That's a really good collection of talent. And like the Briscoe brothers were pretty good in the aughts, but I felt like they got a lot better in um in the tens. And then yeah. Steen Steen G- Ah oh, fuck, I can never say it right. Steen Generico. Yeah, Steen Generico. There's a way to say it, like Steen Erico or something. It's ah. like their team name, but um. But they they were they were more of a aughts team than a tens team, weren't they, Matt? Uh, yes. Okay, they were real. Uh, they were really good. 
like you know a team was good when like it still follows them into like the biggest promotion in the world yeah and, like, that's still fair. haunts them um who else you know the naturals in tna were pretty good mm-hmm. um who else is out there aj styles and christopher daniels were pretty good i thought that's that's true how long did that run last about a year okay we have a we've mentioned before as like an underrated tag team but booker t gold dust oh yeah that's oh yeah book dust oh and, and um, we're missing booker we're missing, rvd we're missing the best wwe tag team of that decade which is eminem eminem See, was yeah. They was a great gimmick and a great debut, but it just seemed like Mercury couldn't keep himself together, and so the team didn't feel like it lasted long enough. Yeah. Like, I loved the gimmick. I thought it was amazing. And, you know, the guys worked really well, but it's just not quite there. It didn't last long, but I also loved I loved when um, Charlie Haas and Bob Hawley were teaming up. I don't remember that one. It was a SmackDown one. They were a really good team. I think that was right around the time Holly got hurt. Okay. Um. So it's yeah, we've got we've got a lot of crossover again. Um, I, another reason I, I definitely wanted to have in, in looking at this, I was like, no, I need because I, I didn't want us to just keep going to the same teams a lot, which is why I threw some spoilers in. To, to mix it up because it's like because we've talked about some of these things a lot already but that's going to take us on down to faction or, can, I, um, or less. can I add something really quickly go for it um uh since alex shelley was mentioned i believe at the next tna well impact um yeah. pay-per-view is supposed to be uh alex shelley versus jay white mm-hmm. Ooh, that's, that's gonna be yeah that's gonna yep. be like a, that's gonna be a really good match Yep. Yep. Shelly is one of those guys that to me just always seemed to kind of be bubbling under the surface and and not quite had the big breakout. I mean, he had the Motor City machine guns with uh, Saban. Yeah. And the Motor City machine guns were really good, too. Yeah. That was another one. In, that was in the time period when I, I could watch TNA, but it, it seemed like they didn't quite get behind those guys as much as they it seemed like they should have no and i really wish aew could get them for like a six month like little dealy it just you know okay yeah Um, sorry about that oh and i wanted to do another honorable mention for the tens before we go is a rapungi vice which was rocky romero and um was alex no, it was Trent Bredden and Rocky Romero. Sorry, I was thinking about um, Alex Kozlov, but that was a different team. I don't remember who he teamed with now. Didn't Alex Kozlov uh, team with? Uh... They were part of the. Oh, he wasn't. That wasn't Rapungi Vice. I it wasn't Rapungi Vice, but it was it was with uh, Rocky Romero, right? Yeah. F- crap. I don't know. I just I'm blank. I'm blanking on. Wait, Alex Kozlov? Yeah. look this up because i <laughs> sorry i just got there, confused. i forget the actual like tag team name yeah 
I got nothing for you on this. I'm completely <laughs> lost. No, because they, they, they forever well, hooligans. That's yes, what it was. yes. Yeah. Thank God. You, I, it was right on the tip of my tongue, and I'm like, fuck, where did I pull Alex Kozlov from? Because he wasn't in Rapungi Vice. Yeah. Oh shit! Has Alex Kozlov even wrestled in like the last ten years? No. Well, <laughs> yes, he has, but it's been like it's been at least like five years since. Oh he, man. He hung it up. He wasn't even that that old. He was like yeah. early thirties. Man, I pulled that right out of my ass, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> looking at a, oh wait, it looks like in twenty. Uh, I'm looking it up. It's like twenty. It's like twenty twenty. Like Return to Pro and New Japan Pro Wrestling. I'm like, oh really? But it's just as a color commentator. Oh okay. Um, his his last match looks to be in early January 2015. Oh wow, he really yeah he hasn't wrestled in a long ass time. And he's he's only 38. I wonder so if he got like, hurt. He could have. I wonder if he got like concu- like too many concussions or something. All I, right, go ahead, Matt. Oh, I was um. I, I'm. It's shocking to me that Alex Kozlov is no longer wrestling and you have like Davey Richards still working. Well, that's because Davey Richard bitches out for like five years at a time. Then he comes back until he pisses enough people off that he has to go find um, a new gig for a while. I think he has like mellowed out some from what I've seen. I've never liked him in ring because he's always been that like get your shit in guy, whether it makes sense or not. It seems like since he's gotten like older and he returned he he seems to be a little better but i don't uh, i haven't seen a lot of his recent stuff so i, no, I can't I fully either. tell you all right so that's gonna take us down to uh factions so yay let's is go it my ahead turn? And knock our factions out yes brad okay so the nwo okay i'm going to do jimmy hart's first family from memphis Okay. Um, which one now just for what it's worth what which which one was that? So that would be like just his whatever group of misfits he had in Memphis at the time. So you know you get that would be like Bobby Eaton and like Sweet Brown Sugar when he had them as a tag team. Like you might get like the Cuban assassin or something like that and just whatever whatever like um shit, what's his name? I can't remember the guy's name now. I, it was right on the tip of my tongue and it was gone. But the, just whatever whatever guys he had at the time that he was managing. Mm-hmm. Um, the Dangerous Alliance. Okay. Which the Dangerous Alliance is probably my favoriteest um, faction of all time. Mm-hmm. And then because of their just impact on modern wrestling, whether you like them or not, I think the Bullet Club has to be on a Mount Rushmore because they spawned um the biggest national promotion to come <laughs> you know out ever and then honorable mention that's kind of tough i guess i would do um uh, i don't know i had one i think i forgot which one it was Well, we'll circle back around and see if, if we can pick it up somewhere. Wow, I just corporate speak the hell out of that. <laughs> we'll see if we find them somewhere along the way. How's that sound? <laughs> Jeez, I just about slapped myself for saying that. All right. Um, How about the Union? 
No, I'm joking. Union. <laughs> the core. <laughs> Union of people you ought to respect, Shane. In other words, up yours. Did that lasts like two weeks. I thought it only lasted one week. <laughs> Remember, it had that awful music, like, we are the union, and then it was like... Union. A, it was like the... It yeah. had, like, the work whistle go off. Yeah. Oh, God, that was... That was... That was Mick Foley, Test, Ken Shamrock, and Big Show, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Wow. Which you would think they could have done a lot more with that, but they never did. It's terrible I remember that who was in that. I like all of those guys pretty well and then Test some. So I remember it too, but whew, that's a heck of a place to be. Yes. All right, Matt, what do you have for your list? So uh, I have uh, the Dangerous Alliance, which I I don't know if I would uh, call them my favorite faction of all time, but they are up there. I, I'm sad that they actually didn't like chronologically last a long time. With like six months, Alliance, really. They were certainly like under a year. Um, mm-hmm. Didn't they go coming. from like November of like ninety one to like May or June of ninety two? Uh, yeah, I think June because after uh, Wrestle War, which was I believe in June. Okay. That they kind of like disbanded. But it shows uh, like, but, but that, I think that's why it's so memorable though, because they got in and out and like they didn't hang around past their welcome. I put it this way, um, MJF's faction, the Pinnacle, yeah. I think has been around longer than the Dangerous Alliance, and I feel like they Oof. haven't remotely done anything as memorable. No. Um, I don't even know who's in the Pinnacle half the time. <laughs> Sean Spears, Wardlow, uh, FTR, and MJF. Yep. But Dangerous Alliance is one of my favorite of all time. They're a phenomenal faction, even as short-lived as they were. Um, I agree with you. I think Bullet Club deserves to be on the list. Um, I, Bullet Club has like had ebbs and flows. They they they've started off like really great. Um, I would say that the current current iteration of Bullet Club is not that great, um, and they're kind of like they're not really treated like as the deal that they are. They should be like they're not they're not like big league anymore. Although I do think that the the American version of Bullet Club that's going on in Impact is interesting and that it's like you know Gallows and Anderson, Jay White now, and Chris Bay. I'm real high on Chris Bay. Like Chris Bay is like a really good worker, so I'm glad yeah. to see that guy get some some attention. Um, the Japanese version is like not that that's where it's like kind of falling on hard times. So you have like Scrubs, kind of like how NWO like B team <laughs> yeah. developed. You have the guys um, that they forgot were in the faction like um is Bad Luck Fale still in it? Or yeah. has he moved on? Wow. He's been in that for, like, forever. You know, someone actually said to me, like, oh, you should, like, f- uh, follow him on IG. Uh, and I, I don't follow him on IG, but I, like, checked out his IG. And it's kind of, like, motivational. He's, like, not playing a heel on IG. Like, he's just, like, talking about stuff and giving, like, motivational stuff. It's It's not... It's not quite uh, Hacksaw Jim Duggan level uh, inspirational and, and <laughs> like wholesome, but yeah. it's not bad. He's fun. he's like a fun guy. Um, the modern, uh, otherwise the modern version of Bullet Club is like not good in my opinion. Nah. The only person that the only person who's they've kind of like tried to do something with is Evil. 
Um, but that's like it's like a poor. It, it, the problem is like they now mostly just do like garbage matches, which no one really. And that's not like the the style of match that New Japan is known for, or no. really it's good. Uh, I would say that there has been like some over time. Like Bullet Club has had like a f- again they've had a flow. They've had like really good versions of it. Um, it's the the main leader initially was was Prince Devitt, aka Finn Balor, mm-hmm. and then you had like AG Styles take over, and then you had Kenny Omega. And I feel like once Kenny Omega left for LD, like that's kind of when things went downhill. But, yeah. Yeah. Um, my other two my other two factions plus honorable mention uh, four horsemen. Not much needs to be said. Oh, that'd uh, be horsemen. my honorable mention. Uh-huh. Horsemen have had. Uh, Lots of members over time, some better than others. Uh, am I probably love? Well, I was gonna say like my favorite version of the Horseman would have been like Oldie and Arn, Flair and Tully. Yeah. But I actually probably would think like Tully, Arn, Flair, and Barry Windham. Mm. That because just Barry Windham was so goddamn good. Um, yeah. <laughs> that that. That might be my favorite one. But Horseman, not much needs to be said. And my last one on Mount Rushmore is the NWO. NWO, they got way too bloated and it got kind of crazy, but the initial version of NWO was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, since she mentioned like uh, Hogan, I still think that the Hogan promo that at Bash of the Beach 96 when he turned and joined the NWO, formed the NWO, gets so doesn't get the love that it should because that was such a good heel promo. Like it's astounding. Like it's yeah. so, it's so good that sometimes like every, maybe like every year or so I just listen to it because it's like, it's such an underrated and the grand span of things, heel promo. And he's so goddamn, he's like, he starts off like tentative because he's not sure about the, the heel turn, but then he gets all in on it. It's just phenomenal. And then my honorable mention is the Heenan family, because I love the Heenan family back in the day. All right, so I very, very, very intentionally pulled some spoilers here for funsies. Um, And uh, honestly, two of them here, just because I'm a mark for them and I I I had great fun watching them. Uh, The Horsemen and the NWO get the first two slots for reasons we've already covered. And then I decided, what the hell, let's go a little more modern for fun, because when I was thinking, I was like, I know Matt and or Brad's going to pick up like Dangerous Alliance. So uh, let's let's mix this up a little bit. Uh, Someone I was an unabashed mark for for the whole gimmick and couldn't help myself. I loved the Wyatt family. Um, Just did. That that's all I got to say about it. And then for a current modern day one. I love Dark Order. Like mm. I, I know they're not even like a huge threat thing, but I love watching those guys. Did you, it's Did you enjoy the picture I sent you of um ten letting negative one um Yes <laughs> full yes. Nelson the the jobber? Yes I did. That was amazing. But my honorable mention for a faction I think I I will argue does have uh similar credibility to how um, like the Dangerous Alliance would as heels, and that was the ECW Dudleys. Hmm. 
Oh, that—that's one of my favorite promos of all time. Where it's like, I don't remember the exact word. I don't remember who said it, but it's like, I see like white Dudleys, black Dudleys, Indian Dudleys. I think Mama Dudley was just a whore. Yeah. Because because there's a lot. So you have um. Let's let's let's. let's well, it's because it's because Willie Loman Dudley. Which, by the way, a Death of a Salesman reference in ECW still blows my mind. But it, the story was Old Man Dudley got around all around Dudleyville. Yeah. So, so you had Bubba Ray, Bubba Ray Devon, Dances Spike, with Dudleys. Dances with Dudleys, Big Dick Dudley. Sign Guy Dudley. Sign Guy. Um, there was one, one more. Yeah. Oh, God. It well, was. Bubba, Devon, Spike, Big Dick, Dudley, Sign Guy Dudley, Dances with Dudley. Yeah. God, there. I know there's one more. Oh, now I gotta look. Yeah, I need to look at this too. And it's because the whole. Not. Uh, let's see here. Willie Loman, Big Daddy Dudley. Okay. Let's see. It was Snot Dudley. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I think Snot was like like a, only a couple shots. At at the very beginning, yeah. Um, I'm looking for, uh, any, if there were any other chubby Dudley, I don't remember that one there. That's less than, I don't remember that one. I think, I think sometimes they just had like a couple of hangers on that just got beat up and then were never seen again. Is that kind of how like the full blooded Italians would have like the, a guy would have appeared like he get. Beat the yeah. Shit. Like yeah. But you had this massive heel stable of, I mean, just miserable pricks that got nuclear heat. And, uh, you know, it's that was part of it is that, I mean, they were just you just hated them. But there were so many of them. It's like, well, what the hell do you do now? Right. So. All right, there we go. That's that's some Mount Rushmores we put out there. Man, there's um, a lot of fucking Dudley boys. <laughs> yeah, man. So uh, I know, yeah, we we just decided to have some fun with a nice, relaxed kind of uh, big picture episode. But we would love to hear from you guys about um, who you like on our list, who you don't. You know, hit us up on social media. Uh, you know, like comment. Um, we say this every now and then. If you're whatever podcast service you're listening on, if you leave us a five star review, that just helps with some visibility. We'd appreciate it. So, uh, guys, anything else on the way out? Nope. Um, we will get to the Tupelo concession stand brawl. We've just been having some scheduling slash um, busy lives interfering with um, prep the last couple weeks. Yeah, you want to be in a nice, relaxed state whenever you watch people hit each other with popcorn. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, this is Shad with Matt and Brad. We've been in three quarters. You're in the fourth, and we'll catch you next time.